This is Zealous, an in-depth look behind the scenes of legal matters straight from the attorneys of Gimbel, Riley, Garen, and Brown. Welcome to Zealous. I'm your host, Brianna Meyer, and this is the place to immerse yourself in the legal world. Today, we're talking about how to survive law school in the midst of a pandemic. It's hard enough without COVID flying around, and we're talking about that with Megan Drury. Megan is an attorney in the Family Law Department at GRGB and the newest addition to the GRGB family. Megan joined the firm after graduating from Marquette University Law School. Prior to attending law school, Megan received her master's degree in social work from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and completed her bachelor's degree in psychology at Marquette University. Megan greatly enjoys working with clients through the challenging and often emotional process of a divorce. Megan is our newest attorney here, and she just is such a positive energy, is so smart, and just brings a nice presence to the office. Megan, first of all, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I feel like you joined in the middle of COVID and never got an official welcome. It was the middle of COVID, (laughs) but it's been three months now, so. That's so wild that it's already been three months. I know. And you've had to, I mean, you were basically running family law for a couple days when Max was out, so. I was. We, yes. We've been busy. Very busy. Yeah. Very busy. And so not only are you our newest attorney, you're our newest graduate too. Yes. You graduated this May, right? Yes. So I just graduated in May from Marquette Law School. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, congratulations on that. Thank you. I want to talk a little bit about being a 3L during COVID because you are the only attorney in our office that experienced Mm -hmm. law school during a pandemic. Yeah. So... I was in law school during COVID, and so law school is three years, and I was kind of right in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. I was in my second year when COVID hit, and yeah, things kind of shifted very quickly. Um, Last spring when COVID initially hit, you know, it was basically within a week we went from being entirely in person and doing everything as normal to being entirely on Zoom or using Microsoft Teams. So for about a week or two, it was a pretty steep learning curve because, you know, before COVID, I didn't know what Zoom was. I didn't use Microsoft Teams. Yeah. Um, But yeah, suddenly we were either watching a pre-recorded lecture on YouTube or just virtually meeting or even just reading lecture notes. Oh my God. So yeah, definitely different. Well, a couple of things. First of all, you are so lucky that you were at Marquette where they have technology yes. capabilities yes. <laughs> that are far better than a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. And my my question for you is, how did the professors deal with it? Because it was a learning curve for everyone. <laughs> it was. And professors handled it very differently. So mm-hmm. some professors jumped right on to using Zoom, and we would have kind of classes normal at a normal mm-hmm. time, just you know, on Zoom. And some professors just sent out like PDFs of lecture notes that we would read on our own. Okay. And then some professors would pre-record lectures and put them on YouTube. Okay. So yeah, it was 
different by every class, by every professor. You know, once COVID had kind of been around for about six months, mm-hmm. and when I was a 3L, we went to a hybrid formula. Okay. And so some of our classes were in person for the 2020-2021 school year. Got it. Um, and so we just socially distanced, wore masks, and that was nice. But some still remained entirely online. So it was that mix. Do you think, and I mean, I know we can't read professors' minds, but mm-hmm. do you think maybe the ones who weren't so great with Zoom were more eager to get back in the classroom? Yes, I do think so. Um, and I just think for some professors, it was too steep of a technology totally. learning curve. Totally. And, and it worked better just to have PDFs where we could read class. Right. So, right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't blame them because um, I was helping one of our one of our attorneys today. Yeah, you know, no, about teams. So it's it's... Hard, and it was technology we had never used before, so I totally mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, but oh my gosh! Well, if I were in law school and then all of a sudden had to do everything on my computer, I don't know if I would leave my bed. I know. <laughs> It's hard. Yeah. Did you have like a designated school space or did it all kind of become one? You know, I did have a designated school space. I just kind of turned my desk into, mm-hmm. you know, the place where I would do class and do all my homework from. Um, but it was good to have that separation of, you know, life things and, and school things. Totally. So, totally. Yeah, it did help to have that designated space. Well, I would imagine that it's, I mean... Working when it struck, mm-hmm. it was, you know, similar and different from being in school, but I feel like when you're just listening to a lecture, it'd be so easy to be like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to lay down on the couch and yeah. listen to the lecture. Like, I don't know if I would have the it's, attention span. Yeah, no, it's hard to find that motivation to be listening to a lecture when you're at home, but you just had to dig deep and find it. What about the impact that it had on, like, So I know that at Marquette they do, you can do a semester with the public defender's office or with the DA's office or hammer ships. How how did that work? So in the semester when COVID hit and things kind of just shut down, the internships that I were participating in just kind of got shut down, unfortunately. And so, you know, the remainder of the semester, things just didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. But... You know, the coming year, the year after that, when things had kind of settled in, um, essentially clinics and internships that had previously been entirely in person became entirely remote, and the clinics Mm -hmm. were held on Zoom. So, you know, law students, and myself included, could just participate remotely, and we would meet with clients on Zoom and do essentially the same internship that would have normally been in person Mm -hmm. remote. That's so interesting, because I feel like there's this element and now that you're practicing too I'm sure you see the difference of in-person hearings Mm -hmm. and zoom hearings yeah and it's so it's such a unique skill that you were able to be trained in being personable over zoom yeah which is so helpful now given that we do still have hearings on zoom and some clients do still want to meet on zoom which Mm -hmm. is fine and actually helpful in some instances so that people don't have to travel um but it is a different skill set to meet with someone, especially for the first time over Zoom. I bet. But, yeah. Yeah, well, that's great that you have that. I think that that's a very marketable skill that you guys, that your yeah. 
graduating class specifically has going forward. For sure. It's definitely helpful now on the job. Yeah. What about the last thing I want to talk about as a 3L? Mm-hmm. Graduation. There is a little known 3L bar crawl that happens every year. What happened with your festivities? <laughs> Which that was entirely non-existent for our class. Yeah. Um we really had no festivities. Oh. Um Graduation initially was canceled, but mm-hmm. then they did decide, I think after some pressure from students, to hold a professional school, graduate school program. Good. So we did have a little in-person ceremony at American Family Field, which was nice. fun. Okay. But that was really the only thing we had. You know, normally the law school has the hooding ceremony. Mm-hmm. We didn't have that. Um yeah, it was just the graduation ceremony at American Family Field. That's such a bummer. I feel like a lot of people are, they talk about the fact that, oh, I never really even knew this person until the last week of law school mm-hmm. when we have 20 hours of the day we're all spending together. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we definitely did miss out on that. So yeah. that was a sad part, but at least we had something in person. I totally. know, you know, the 2020 class had nothing so I do feel fortunate for that you are an optimist I will say that (laughs) well thank you what about transitioning from being in school to being you know to being someone in the workforce how do you think COVID has affected the job search process for people I would imagine that it is drastically different from even what my job search process was even though it wasn't that long ago yeah you know I'm sure it did have an impact and the biggest impact I saw was for individuals or law students who had 2L Mm -hmm. summer internships that got canceled and for a lot of people your internships you know in your last summer of law school does turn into a job Mm -hmm. so that was unfortunate for a lot of folks but You know, in terms of the job market, I mean, when I was looking for a job, there were definitely firms hiring. Um, You know, as a new lawyer, it was my first time looking at this job market. Mm -hmm. So it's hard in the sense of that I feel like I don't have something to compare it to. But, I mean, there was definitely employers looking. So it wasn't totally desolate. Well, that's good. good. I think that... You know, in general, even in dire times, it's a good sign if a law mm-hmm. firm or multiple law firms are hiring. That's a good yeah. sign. Yeah, so it definitely is. And, and I'm here, so. And we're yes. so happy you're here. <laughs> what about when it came to the hiring process? Did you interview over Zoom places? Did you go in person? Was it a mix? So it was a mix, but I would mostly say that all of my interviews were on Zoom. Okay. So... That was a new thing. I mean, I'd never done a job interview on Zoom. Yeah. And in a way, I almost preferred the Zoom interviews to in-person because there was no mask. And it's so much easier to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with someone face-to-face without a mask. So in that way, Zoom was preferred. And most of them were via Zoom, so Mm -hmm. that was good. Um, And employers were really understanding. That's very nice. Yeah. Did you also feel maybe a sense of comfort doing things from your home too because I think sometimes when you go places yeah and no matter what you're going to be nervous mm-hmm. but that 
kind of having the comfort of being at your own home might be nice. Yeah, I think that was a big factor in helping to feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. because, you know, part of that job interview is getting there, finding the place, finding parking. Do you make sure you're not sweating? You're not sweating, (laughs) making sure you know where you're going in the building. Mm -hmm. And all of that is removed when you're sitting at your desk Mm -hmm. on Zoom and meeting with someone. So, yeah, in a way, Zoom removes a lot of that stress. Nice. Mm-hmm. Did you see, and this is more of a personal question for your taste, but mm-hmm. was there any impact on how you saw employers handling COVID that made an impact on your decisions for jobs? It was interesting to compare how different employers were handling COVID, mm-hmm. and I either got lucky or employers just are being very flexible right mm-hmm. now, but most were flexible in the sense of, you know, here's our policy. We have three days in the office. Mm-hmm. You can work from home up to two days, which was really nice. Um, yeah, so most were flexible, and that was really helpful. Definitely. And I, I do think it made a difference in my decision ultimately because it would be hard if if people were being inflexible. Right, and I also, I also think that it can say a lot about the fit that you're or how you'll fit in if maybe their COVID policies don't line up with your personal COVID policies. Yeah and I think it's just a good kind of introduction to see how you can communicate with an employer and how Mm -hmm. how things flow and how receptive they are so it was good. Good good. You started here and we were still pretty uh in the thick of COVID. I mean, we still are in the thick of COVID, let's be clear. But we were still kind of in shutdown mode Mm -hmm. when you first started. How was that? It was, it was interesting, you know, after being, so I'm working full-time in the office right now Mm -hmm. with masks and social distancing, but after having been home for a year and a half, I was ready to be in person and work with a team you know, where we can go bounce ideas off of each other by walking over to someone's office. Mm-hmm. So I was happy to start in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but the masks do make it a little difficult. But totally for everyone's safety, I think it just, you know, given that we're still in the middle of the pandemic, helps quell everyone's fears. So. Yeah, I would agree. And I think I'm curious to revisit this with you once, you know, if, we reach that vaccination critical mm-hmm. point or, you know, whatever has to happen for things to go back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. I'm excited to revisit this with you <laughs> to compare yeah. how things are. Cause I, I think that, uh, you know, COVID in general has mm. changed people's personalities yeah. cause it's, it's harder to communicate with a mask on. Yes. No, that's so true. It would be good to revisit. I'll make a note of it for our next one. <laughs> it's time for the definition of the day today we are going to talk about order to show cause and megan's gonna walk us through i mean what in the blue hell it even is (laughs) so in order to show cause most commonly in the family law world is with an order to show cause for finding of contempt And, you know, when someone is in contempt, that means they are not following a court order. 
And so the order to show cause is a relatively short document, and essentially it orders someone to be in front of the court and to show cause as to why they should not be found in contempt, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, so, it does. yeah, it just gets someone in front of the court. Can you give our listeners maybe an example of something that would spark you to file an order to show cause? Yeah, so I actually just filed one not too long ago, Um, but it is in a custody case, and when two parents have joint custody of a child, they both have equal decision-making power over where the child can go to school. Mm -hmm. And so we had a parent who enrolled a child in a new school without consulting the other parent. Which is against the rules. Which is against the (laughs) rules, and so it means that they could be found in contempt for violating that court order of joint custody. So we filed an order to show cause for finding of contempt, and essentially it orders that person to show up in front of the court and to explain why they shouldn't be found in contempt. So why they why they did what they did. Exactly. So a pretty straightforward document, but an important one. Definitely. Do you think that, I mean, this, in my opinion, as someone that doesn't do family law, this seems like a great, useful tool to make sure everyone's always on the same page. It is. It's a good tool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to bring both of the parties in front of a judge or a court mm-hmm. commissioner and to make sure that everyone is on the same page about the court order that's in place and what that means for them. Right, and it's nice that a judge will be able to give some sort of finality to the question. Yes, exactly. So, no, a very useful tool for clients. Do you find, well, okay, I wanna back up. First of all, what happens if someone is found in contempt? So if someone is found in contempt, the judge will generally order some sort of sanction for that. Um, And that can really vary depending on what the person is in contempt for. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be a fine. It could even be days in jail, um, even for family law cases. But I think that's rare. Right. Um, But generally the judge will just order some sort of remedial sanction. So I think it's fair to say, if you're in a divorce, follow the rules. Yes, <laughs> follow you, the rules. Follow the court order. And yes. you don't want to have to be in a in a court where the judge is yelling at you. That's yes. never fun. That's never a good position to <laughs> no. be in. Let's get to know Megan Drury. Megan, something that is unique about you, not just within the firm, but I think across lawyers in general, is, girl, you got more than just a JD. I do. So before going to law school, I got my master's degree in social work, Mm -hmm. and I got that from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and in that program, I specialized in mental health. So initially, I had wanted to be a therapist, but then did an internship at the State Public Defender's Office, where I realized actually I wanted to be a lawyer. So I do think that that degree is very helpful in the family law world in terms of dealing with things that can be very heavy and emotional for clients. 
Definitely. So. Um, and I think kind of a, a running joke is, you know, we're not therapists. We just play them on TV. Yeah. Lawyers <laughs> sometimes fall into that. No, it is. And especially in family law when people are going through very hard times, mm-hmm. often, you know, the worst times in their lives. Um, and, yeah, I think the degree has given me very good listening skills and, and empathy. Mm-hmm. So it's very transferable. But it is a fine line, you know, as a lawyer, I'm not someone's therapist. Yes. So, yeah. Well, I, I think that if I were looking for a family lawyer, knock on wood, I won't have to. <laughs> but if I were looking for one, um, I think that that's an amazing skill set to have. And it's, you want someone that is going to understand even if they haven't been through it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, thank you. It's, yeah. A good combination. Definitely. Well, thank you, Megan, so much for sitting down. This was absolutely fantastic. Um, You know, as we get to know you and as I get to know you, it's been an amazing time and we look forward to it continuing forward. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Zealous. This series is brought to you by Gimbel, Riley, Garen, and Brown, located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. If you think you need a lawyer, contact us at grgblaw.com. Tune in for our next episode where we talk with attorney Jacqueline Kelly about how to balance motherhood and being an attorney. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode of Zealous.